This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today I'm recording as we start Matthew chapter 22 and Jesus is on his way to the cross. But today that I'm recording this is actually Good Friday, uh, which is the day that, you know, as last night Jesus was betrayed. Today he is at nine o'clock this morning by our time and by our calendar. He was nailed to a cross. He was hanging there for, on public display from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And as I'm recording, it, recording this, it's around 1135, so it's not lunch yet. So Jesus still would still have about three and a half hours as he hung on that cross trying to breathe, struggling to breathe, and, and just bleeding profusely from the beating that he had taken before he ever went to the cross. And 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 by 6 o'clock tonight, he would be laying in a tomb uh, for the for until Sunday, and and you know for three days he had told his disciples this day was coming, and I was hoping that we could get through Matthew and match it up with Easter, but it's just not working out that way. But I just want to say thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, that our sins can be washed white as snow, and that we have that glorious hope of being with you in heaven someday. Thank you for all that you've done. For me, thank you for all that you've done for my listeners, and thank you for will, your willingness to lay down your life so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And so let's jump into Matthew 22, as Jesus has come into Jerusalem for his last time. And all those people, just think of the crowds and the, the thousands of people, because there was at least... 10,000 people there when Jesus fed the 5,000 because they only counted the men. They didn't count the women and children. And then he turned around and ministered to another crowd and fed them a, a crowd of at least 4,000 men, which is probably eight to 10,000 more. So all the people that Jesus is ministered to in three years, it's in the thousands. Think of all of those people who he blessed, who he touched, who he healed, who he cast demons out of. He he raised uh, some of them from the dead. They have no idea what is about to happen by the end of this week that he has entered Jerusalem. He has told his disciples, his, his 12 that followed him on a daily basis everywhere that he went. He has told them on many occasions, and we've talked about this and discussed it, that uh, that he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to be killed, he's going to be buried, and that he would rise again on the third day, but they could never fully grasp. They could not understand what was about to happen by the end of the week as they entered into Jerusalem. And when they entered in Jerusalem and Jesus was riding on that donkey and as he comes into Jerusalem, he goes straight to the temple and, and, and the, the religious leaders there have turned the temple into a convenience store and they're selling animals to be sacrificed. So they've made it uh, a money scheme, if you will. And Jesus goes in and he drives out these people who have made this temple or the temple a convenience store and a way to make money. And and he he uh, th this sets up another 
is what I've been comparing it to is, is a sparring contest between Jesus and the religious leaders, and in particular the Pharisees, but even the, the Sadducees uh, are going to get in on the act in, in Matthew 22. And this whole chapter is really just a sparring between Jesus and the religious leaders because they, they want to know, after he, cleaned, after he cleaned out the temple, they want to know by what authority he is doing the things that he's doing, especially with the healings and, and his teaching. And so Jesus continues to put them in their place, but they don't learn their lessons. They just keep coming back for more. In Matthew 22, it starts off with a, a parable. It's, it's when Jesus left off in Matthew 21, remember man put the chapter breaks in the Bible and the verses for our convenience. And that hadn't been done too long ago. And it is convenient. But there really shouldn't be a chapter break in between 21 and 22 because Jesus is talking with the religious leaders and, and the, the leading priests and the Pharisees, and, and he's giving them these parables, which is describing who they are and how they really are and how their hearts are far from God. And so in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, Matthew gives us Jesus' parable to them, to these religious leaders, about uh, the great feast. And he says, Jesus also told them other parables. And we broke down the other parables in the last two podcasts. You can go back and listen to that if you had not had a chance to do so. But Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But they all refused to come. And so he sent other servants to tell them that the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened calf, they've all been killed and everything is ready. I mean, it's all been prepared. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm and another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. And the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to the servants, The waiting feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of honor. Now go out into the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone that they could find good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, why is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen." So what I want to do in this podcast today is, is give my interpretation of this parable that Jesus tells these religious leaders, the, the, the leading priests and these Pharisees that he's having this discussion with. Jesus is once again referring to the kingdom of heaven. He, he specifically points that out. And the kingdom of heaven is something that the Jews would be very, very familiar with and especially the religious leaders because they've been studying the law. They've been teaching the law. So they, they, they're looking forward to the kingdom of heaven. They're specifically looking forward for the Messiah who would be Jesus. But they're going to reject Jesus. And that's exactly what this parable is really about. The re, if you think about the religious leaders, they are, or at least in their minds, they are the leaders in the kingdom of God. I mean, they were all, for, remember, God is silent for 400 years until Jesus shows up between the Old Testament and New Testament. God is completely silent. So all 
all that the people had were these religious leaders who knew the law and they taught the law in the synagogue and at the temple. And so they had kind of become big-headed, if you would. Uh, they have let it go to their head. They think they're better than everybody else. They, they, they've turned it into a money scheme. They're very rich. They're very powerful. They have a lot of influence in the community. And the people, they have a lot of respect for these religious leaders. But like I said, they've, they've, they've become self-righteous. They, they're, they're greedy. And, and these religious leaders, they really think that, especially the Pharisees, they think that everybody is beneath them. And, and so they're trying to challenge Jesus to, get, to, to show people that Jesus is not the Messiah. And, and so they have these sparring matches, and for whatever reason, they just continue to take a beating from Jesus because Jesus keeps putting them in his place, and that's what he does with this parable. Uh, we know from Scripture that there is going to be a day when the, the, the bride of Christ, who is the church, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and been washed in his blood, we will be united with the groom. The bride of Christ, the church, will be united with the groom, who is Jesus. And there's going to be this, and this is very um, uh, elementary. Is that the word? I guess this is very... Um, it's not deep at all. I'm staying. I'm on the surface here, uh, just for time's sake in the podcast. Um, but we know that the church is the bride. She's going to be reuni- uh, re- she's going to be united with the groom, who is Jesus. And there's going to be this huge feast called the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that's found in Revelation 19. And you can read the whole chapter on your own. But verses six through nine, it says that I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd and a roar of mighty ocean waves. Or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and His bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Keep that in mind. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So this invitation has been sent out. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. So the invitation has been sent out. The invitation has been sent out to be a part of this wedding feast but to be a part of this wedding feast, one has to be dressed in a wedding garment, which the book of Revelation says that it is made of pure white linen. Now keep this in mind because it's very important as we discuss this parable in Matthew 22 that Jesus is telling to these leading priests and these Pharisees. They are the very ones who are going to have Jesus brutally murdered and executed on a Roman cross within just a few days when Jesus was walking on the earth and having this discussion with them. Jesus knew what was coming. The disciples didn't. The crowds didn't. These religious leaders really didn't at this time. They were looking for a way to trap Jesus and get him arrested so they could have him killed and put to death, but they didn't know that it was about to happen like it did 
but Jesus did. Um, the invitation to the wedding feast, it went out to the Jews. When Jesus first came on the scene, the, the, the wedding feast, this invitation for this wedding feast to the kingdom of heaven, it went out to the Jews, including these religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When, think about this. When Jesus gave his disciples the authority to go and preach that the kingdom of heaven had come, he also gave them, them the authority to work miracles so they could back up their message, right? But Jesus told his disciples to only go to the Jews and preach that message. In Matthew 10, verses 5 through 8, Matthew says, Jesus sent the 12 apostles with uh, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Now think about this. God's chosen people from the Old Testament were the Jews. The, the covenant God made was with Abraham in Genesis 12. The, the covenant was circumcision. Your, your male children had to be circumcised by the eighth day or on the eighth day. That was the covenant that God made with Abraham. He was the father of the Jews, the Hebrew people. They reject that invitation from God. They reject Jesus, right? So Jesus, and this is very basic, but stick with me. It'll help you understand, I, I hope. But Jesus, after the Jews reject Jesus, Jesus sends an invitation to the Gentiles, or God sends an invitation to the Gentiles, however you want to say that. In John chapter 10, 14 through 16, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. He's talking about the Jews. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Those who accept him, right? The Jews who accept him. But in verse 16, he says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will, future tense, listen to my voice, and there will be, future tense, one flock with one shepherd. Now in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on the apostles. Peter stands up and preaches on the day of Pentecost. They're speaking in tongues. Everybody thinks they're drunk. They've gathered, uh, their, the, this, thousands of people gathered for the day of Pentecost to offer their first fruits to God, and they hear what's going on. They hear these uh 12 apostles speaking in tongues, but they, they're hearing their own language and they're hearing this message about Jesus. And Peter stands up and he tells the Jews that were there around them that, uh, that they have crucified Jesus. They're guilty of crucifying the very Messiah they've been looking for. And God has raised him up and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And they're pierced in their hearts. And, and, and they say, well, what do we got to do about this? And, and Peter tells them, to uh, repent of what they've done and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, you got to be, you got to accept Jesus. And they thought Jesus was a blasphemer, so this was hard for them to do. And thousands upon thousands heard that message that day, but about three thousand received it and were obedient to it, and they were baptized. But, but what I want to point out in Acts chapter two is that uh, the Holy Spirit falls 
on the apostles and they're speaking in tongues. This has never been done before. And it's a prophecy from Joel chapter 2. Well, in John chapter 10, no, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is sent by an angel to Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a Gentile, not a Jew, but a Gentile. And remember, Jesus had told his disciples that he has other sheep that are not of this fold, and he's going to bring them to the fold, and they're going to, they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And we, we see this starting to be fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 10. Um, in Acts chapter 10, when Peter sent to uh, the house of Cornelius by an angel, and Cornelius being a Gentile, Cornelius has been told by an angel in a vision that Peter's going to be coming, so he gathers friends and family, other Gentiles, right? He gathers all these Gentile friends and family so that they can hear what Peter has to say. And so Peter arrives, he starts telling them about Jesus, and as he's talking to these Gentiles, and Peter has brought some Jewish friends with him, and as Peter is talking about Jesus to these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, Cornelius and his friends and his family that have gathered in his house, and they begin to speak in tongues just like Peter and the other apostles did in Acts chapter 2. And so this is what uh, Luke writes in Acts chapter 10, 44 through 48. Even as Peter was saying these things, talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with him for several days. So what happens is Peter goes back to Jerusalem and he's questioned by the believers there and they're just, just in a frenzy. They're really upset with Peter because he they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't realize that he had had this vision from an angel and that Cornelius had this vision from an angel. They didn't realize that God had put the two together and and they were upset that Peter would go in the house of a Gentile and fellowship with a bunch of Gentiles. And so Peter explains to the group what had transpired and at the end of his explanation this is what is said in Acts chapter 11 verse 18 when the others heard this they stopped objecting and began praising God and they said we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life so it's just as Jesus has said the future tense has now become present tense Jews and Gentiles now have the invitation to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ, in other words, there's your unity, and that unity only comes through Christ. All of you who have been united with Christ in baptism, water immersion, fully immersed. All of you who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew 
or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs, you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile, if you have called on the name of the Lord for salvation, and you've been fully immersed in water, into that watery grave, and you come up and God or Christ has made you a new creation. Romans chapter 6, Paul says, you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You've been filled with this Holy Spirit. No matter what, uh, what you are, Jew or Gentile, black or white, Japanese, Hispanic, Guatemalan, whatever, American, it does not matter. What matters is that we are all now one in Christ. And what Jesus had predicted would happen has now happened. That other sheep, the Gentiles, have now been sent the invitation. And many Gentiles, have, as well as Jews, have accepted the invitation. But also there have been many Jews and still are. And there have been many Gentiles and still are who have received the invitation, but rejected it. Just like the the parable that Jesus was telling these religious leaders and these Pharisees, and that's exactly what they do. In this parable, Jesus told the leading priests and the Pharisees, the invitation has been sent out twice, and it was rejected twice. And even on that second attempt, the king's servants were insulted and killed, and it makes the king so furious that he sends in his army and burns down that town. He destroys that place, and he tells his servants to go out and find anybody that they can, both good and bad, so that his banquet hall would be filled with guests. And this is interesting because Peter talks about the earth being destroyed when Jesus returns in 2 Peter 3. 10 through 13, he says, But the day of the Lord, that's when Jesus returns, but the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heaven, that's why nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. It's going to happen, and we're not going to have any warning. It's just, it's just like, boom, it's going to happen. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us <clears throat> sorry, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness so as this takes place we who have accepted the invitation that god has sent out as the earth is burning up and melting away in this new heavens and new earth is it, it we're going to be a part of it and we're going to sit at this beautiful feast the greatest food you've ever tasted your favorite meal it's going to be there but the greatest thing about it is Jesus will be there, the one who died for our sins. God will be there. The Holy Spirit will be We will look upon the face of God for the first time. 
It's going to be awesome. But in this parable that Jesus tells the, the religious leaders and the, and the Pharisees, there's a guest who accepted the invitation but wasn't properly clothed, and he, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, why is that? Because the passage in Revelation that we just read, it talks about uh, those who have um, put on the wedding garments. Those wedding garments were made of pure white linen, right? But this guy, he's not properly clothed, and he sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, I imagine so. If he's not dressed in pure white clothes, he's going to stick out. And so the king approaches this guest, and he asks, How is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And just like I said, we, we've already discovered and discussed that the wedding garment is a linen made of pure white. And the only way to get a wedding garment is to be washed in the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Which reminds me of Isaiah 64, 6 and 7. It says, You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are, we are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds... They are nothing but filthy rags. Oh, let me look up a verse right quick. I just thought of another verse. Let me see here. I just thought of this passage while uh, reading that. is Isaiah 118. Let me move my computer so I can read it. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Isn't that awesome that, that Isaiah writes, we are all infected and impure with sin. And when we display our righteous deeds, no matter, you can just add up all the righteous deeds that you have ever done. And Isaiah says, they're nothing but filthy rags and then he says uh that our sins are like scarlet and they'll be white as snow though they are red as crimson they shall be white as wool that's a good verse the only answer is jesus the only answer is to accept the sacrifice that jesus has made for us and obviously, this guest didn't do that, which is why he's not dressed in the proper clothing. He's not dressed in the, the, the pure white linen of the wedding garments. And what Jesus is doing in this parable is that he is pointing out to these religious leaders and Pharisees that they are rejecting their only opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. If they continue to uh, reject him, they're going to miss out. That they have to, even though they know the law and even though they serve God, their, their hearts are not right. And Jesus has pointed this out many, many times. Uh, and you, we'll see that in Matthew 23 when he pronounces all these woes on, on the religious leaders. But they have to as well as everybody else, because the invitation is sent out to everyone. They have to accept Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and if they keep rejecting it, 
they're not going to make it into heaven. Going back to Galatians chapter 3, Paul says something that's very interesting in verses 23 through 29. We've already read some of this. But he says, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. And we've already read this. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So the Jews... And especially these religious leaders and Pharisees and the Sadducees, because that's who Jesus is talking to here. They were putting their faith in the law. They were, they were putting their faith, if you will, in works and doing good deeds. They absolutely 100% refused to put their faith in the very one who wrote that law and gave that law to them. That's why they were always, Moses said this, and they would come to Jesus, and we'll see that in the next podcast. Moses said this, and Moses said that. What, what do you say about this? They, they rejected the very Messiah that they were looking for. Everything that they did in the name of God, all the good deeds that they did, all the sacrifices they made, all the studying and the teaching that they did, All of their righteous acts, it could never wash away one sin. And as Isaiah said, it was all filthy rags before God. And unfortunately, they're going to reject the very one who could wash their sins away and make them clean, that would purify them, that would give them that garment of white, pure linen so that they could sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And here's what I want to say to you before we end the podcast. Don't make that same mistake. The invitation is there for you and for me, for everybody. In Acts 17, verse 30, Paul says, God, or Luke writes, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. So the question is, are you going to be like these religious leaders, these Pharisees and reject Jesus? Are you going to just ignore his invitation? That's what a lot of people do today. They just ignore it like he doesn't even exist. And God is continually sending out the invitation, giving them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to accept the invitation to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and to have their sins be made white and to put on Christ and be clothed with this wedding garment so that they can sit and feast and be with God for eternity. But if they, or if you continue to reject this invitation, there's going to come a day, friend, when it's going to be too late and you're never going to have another opportunity. And and you're going to hear those words just like in that parable that those religious leaders heard. Bound his hands and his feet and get him out of here. And he's going, and that that person was rejected by God, by the King, and he never had another opportunity. 
And Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't you want to spend eternity in heaven? Why would anybody reject such love? It makes no sense. Because, it, I mean, let's face it, that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for love. What was that song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh, country song. That's what we do. We look, we look for love in all the wrong places. When the one who truly loves us like no other, he laid down his life for us. That's how much he loves us. Loves us. And he sends out this invitation. Hey, I want you to spend eternity with me. Accept my sacrifice. Accept my invitation. Quit rejecting me. Let me love you. Just follow me. What decision are you going to make today? If I can help you in any kind of way, to any answer any questions you have about Jesus, about the Bible, I will do my very best. Just email me at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll answer those questions. And I believe I, at the end of this podcast, I'll leave a phone number that you can even text me. And I will promptly get back with you with any questions that you have. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe. And you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review. But most importantly... Share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.